Hallelujah. Holy, holy, you are the great I am. We sing and we praise and we speak the name of Jesus. There is no other like you, Jesus. We thank you for the power in your name. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, Lord Almighty, the great I am. You are not the great I was. You are the great I am. Let's give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's always wonderful to lift the name of Jesus. You know, when, when our head is down and we're dealing with daily stuff like we all have to, every once in a while, just remember he's the lifter of your head and make sure that you're looking up to Jesus. Don't forget to look up. He is the lifter of our head, and he is the mighty name of Jesus. So last week, we got started on a series here that we're calling The Great I Am. Um, and I wanted to start back in John again. We know that all the seven I Am statements that Jesus made are found in the book of John. They're unique to the book of John. And we actually find the purpose of the book of John near the end of the book. And it says in uh, chapter 20, verse 31, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Amazing to think about 2,000 years ago, God sent his son, who was God wrapped in a flesh suit, to walk and talk among us. And yet, in the book of John, we find how he gets the message out that he really is God. They're looking at him. He's a man. Some people know his mom and his dad and his sisters. I know where you were born. I maybe changed your diaper. I don't know. Those are the things that we say to people that we're familiar with. But Jesus is ready to reveal himself. And he does that by making seven very clear, very concise statements about himself. He said, I am. And when he echoed those words using I am, everybody who knew their Bible at the time, the first five books of the Bible, knew that Jesus was equating himself with God, who was the first one to say that I am, that I am, found in Exodus 3. So let's go to that first PowerPoint. I like to put them all together. We're going to be working through all seven of them today. We're going to be doing I Am the Door, I Am the Good Shepherd. They're actually both found in the book, uh, or chapter 10. Uh, yeah, and 11. So we're going to be talking about those two today. But last week we observed some things that were similar. Because anytime you see anything repeated in the Bible, it's there to draw attention to. So we said, I am, was the way Jesus started every one of those statements. I am that I am. And then we paid attention to the three-letter word next to it, the, because he's not saying I am a way, a truth, and a life. He is saying I am the way, the truth, and the only life. And every one of these statements shows that there is no other way. And Jesus had to make sure that that was perfectly, absolutely clear. And so he is not a bread of life. He is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and the true vine. 
There is no other way. There is no one like our Jesus. And you know, in, um, Paul said that whenever you get to know your Jesus even just a little bit more, it is priceless gain. So though we all know Jesus, if you were born again, I can guarantee you that we're going to get to know him even better through this study. And it's just going to be priceless gain for every one of us. So I want to draw your attention to one other word that we see very um, much repeated. And of course, this is going to be like maybe the creme de la creme of the, of the whole thing. So let's just go through these scriptures very quickly. In John 6, 35, oh, here's what I want you to do for me, if you would. When I pause, I want you to just say one word out loud. Okay, we are a classroom here. Okay, I'm a teacher, and so I'm asking you to join in, and I want to hear you say the word life. All right, so let's just practice. One, two, three. Can you do a little louder, please? One, two, three. All right, good. All right, so here we go. So John 6, 35 says, Jesus said, I am the bread of For the bread of God is he who comes down out of heaven and gives to the world. Let's go on to John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not be walking in the dark, but will have the light of John 10, 9 says, I am the door. Okay, you got me on that one. All right, life's not in there. But wait, or is it? Because in verse 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have and have it in abundance. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his own for the sheep. John eleven twenty five says, are we keeping up? All right. I am the resurrection and the? And John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the? Life is a resounding theme in what Jesus came to bring. Is that not perfectly, absolutely clear? And it's not just any old life. It's not life like you and I have it. Guess what? It's a zoe kind of life. The word there is in the Greek zoe, and that means life like God has it. <laughs> the reign of the Holy Spirit. So here we are experiencing life in the I am's. Jesus came to bring us God's kind of life right here, right now on planet earth, not just in the, in the sweet by and by once we die and go to heaven. No, no, it's for today. It's for today. How many of you want to experience more of that kind of life? Amen. All right. The other thing to observe here is in, our, um, in his examples, Jesus oftentimes will use very familiar um, things that were familiar to people. So I am the bread of life. Well, everybody ate bread. And as we said last time, um, that statement came after he had fed the 5,000, 10,000, 15, 20. We're not quite sure how many tens of thousands of people were there. But Jesus used that as an illustration. But it, he was trying to help them get past their natural way of thinking, even though he was relating it to something that they were familiar so I am the bread of life. But he says, you know, in the wilderness, there was bread from heaven. It was called manna. But they had to collect it two times a day. And after they ate it, they were satisfied only temporarily. And then they got hungry again. 
And then Jesus flips their thinking around. He says, I am the bread of life, and he who eats of me will never hunger or thirst again. And they're saying, how can this be? You know, or actually they said, give us this bread, because they probably wanted to save a lot of money on their grocery bill. They couldn't get past their carnal, earthly, physical way of thinking with their five senses. And so we're going to find this is the thing that Jesus was also coming against and trying to illuminate to people that I'm not talking about physical things here. Step over into an understanding that's beyond yourself, that's bigger than yourself, and by faith receive that, yes, he truly is the Son of God. Today, we're going to talk about I am the door and I am the good shepherd. And they're both found in John 10. So often, here we are, Jesus once again taking something familiar. They lived in a shepherd community. They were all very much familiar with shepherding and what that meant. And so here's another interesting thing that Jesus often did, especially when he spoke in parables. Usually the people that he was speaking to were somewhere in the parable, whether they realized it or not, especially the Pharisees. And we're going to see a little bit of that as well. Uh, let's go to the next PowerPoint there. The three things that we want to keep in mind when we're reading scriptures and we're being students of the word are asking ourselves these three questions. What is the context? very important to know what happened before and what happened after. Like we said, Jesus didn't just stand out in the middle of the town square and say, I am the resurrection and the life. No, something happened that triggered that statement that made it powerful and impacting. Number two, who is Jesus speaking to? Oftentimes, that gives us more insight into why he said what he said and what it meant. And the third one is, how does this truth impact my life today? If we don't take it home and let it impact our life today, then we're just getting information. Information can be good. The Word of God gives us lots of information. But inspiration is good. You know, the Holy Spirit gives us inspiration. But I am most interested in, and I believe God is too, in heart transformation. And so if we don't apply it, we're not going to see anything changing in our lives. We're not just interested in head knowledge here. So here in John 10, once again, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. They challenged him constantly. And once again, he's revealing who he is. He did not hold back. He knew he was really getting under their skin. They did not like him. And everything that he said, they challenged. And so the chapter preceding this, we have an event that happens um, and this is happening while Jesus is actually hiding himself. He's, he, uh, we learned last week that after he declared, I am the light of the world, he equated himself with God. And they picked up stones to, to stone him. Do you know that that's the way Hebrews executed people? By stoning. They never crucified. That was not what they did. Um, and I think it's very interesting that when the, the church leaders wanted Jesus to be punished, they wanted him to die a very um, dehumanizing, painful, agonizing death on the cross. And that's why they had to go to the Romans. The Romans crucified Jesus. And that is how Jesus fulfilled every jot and tittle of scripture as well. But here they are. Jesus is actually kind of laying low here. And 
he even has time when he's kind of staying in the background because the people were looking for him and they had attempted to kill him. Um, he is not too busy to minister to a blind beggar who had been blind from birth. And this is the story where Jesus sees him and he comes to him and he does something that's almost amazing. He spits in the ground and smears the mud on the man's eyes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Um, Jesus had a spit ministry. Maybe let me make that very clear. S.P. is in Paul, spit ministry, and he did it more than once. And so here he is, this blind man receives his sight. And Jesus even reinstates one of the things that he had just said. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the world's light. Now, the last week when we talked about I am the light of the world, what was the event that, that preceded that? Anybody remember? It was a woman caught in adultery. And we talked about how Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And he had told her, go and sin no more. He shone light in her darkness. She saved her life and changed her life because the light of the world not only saved her physical life, but he saved her spiritually as well. And now Jesus is calling himself once again the world's light. Now he's shining light into this blind man's blindness. And now he can see. It's amazing. This is life, isn't it? Because life, light drives out darkness. And, you know, this was kind of a messy healing. You know, he spit in the mud and made some mud and put it on the man's eyes. And unfortunately, this same man, because he testified that Jesus was of God, this man was kicked out of church. Amazing. And what I love is that Jesus heard and he went and he found that man, and he spoke more life to him. And Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of God? And the man answers, who is he that I might believe in him? I love the way Jesus is just kind of stringing him along. And Jesus says, you have seen him. In fact, he is talking to you now. Now this man who once was blind physically could see physically, but now the man who was once blind spiritually can see spiritually. He is seeing Jesus eye to eye. And Jesus reveals himself to this blind man. And Jesus makes an astonishing statement here. He says, I have come into the world to make the sightless see and those who see become blind. And the Pharisees overheard him. Jesus knew that they were listening. And they ask him, are we also blind? And if you were truly blind, you had no sin. But because you claim to have sight, your sin remains. Jesus is saying, if you were blind to the truth, then you would be in ignorance without sin. But since you claim to know the truth, but you are truly blind to the truth, because the truth is standing right in front of you, that made them guilty, didn't it? And that made them blind. You know, I sometimes... Have thought, you know, Jesus, is it really fair that um, he, here he came in the flesh? And I just wondered if I had been in, alive in that time, would I have recognized that Jesus was the Messiah? Or would I have been one of them in the crowd yelling, crucify him? And it really bothered me because I thought, how did so many people miss the Messiah? They had all been waiting, and yet Jesus was revealing himself, revealing himself, revealing himself. And, and many did believe, we know that, 
but many did not. And I just, I, that really bothered me. It almost didn't seem fair. But you know, I finally, I just asked God to show me and he, I finally got my answer because over and over Jesus said, I and the Father are one. If you have known the Father, you would have also known the Son. Sad but true. Those who did not accept Jesus as their Messiah, the long-awaited Messiah, did not really know the Father. And so anyone who was connected in a real relationship with God the Father recognized God's Son, Jesus. So Jesus over and over declared, I and the Father are one. I do nothing but what I see my Father do. I say nothing but what I hear my Father say. And he equated himself with God. That brings us to chapter 10. Verse 1 says, I assure you, and he's talking to the Pharisees, he who does not enter by the door into the sheepfold but climbs up some other way is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. Here we go. Jesus is start, starting to tell like in, in picture form using uh, very relatable and familiar um, terms and, and things that they were familiar with. But the Pharisees are in the story and they don't even know it yet. So Jesus was calling the Pharisees the thieves and the robbers because they were trying to enter the kingdom of God through their good works. They, they, they thought they had it all sewed up. They could earn their own way, their own salvation. And of course we know that anything done by our own efforts is called self-righteousness. And Isaiah calls that filthy rags. It does nothing. You can't be good enough to enter the kingdom of God. Even though there are many, many good people out there, goodness only comes from God. And when Jesus died, he became sin for us so that we would be made the righteousness of God, not in and of ourselves, but of Christ Jesus. And to believe that takes faith, doesn't it? But see, the Pharisees were earning their own way, and they were blinded by their own self-righteousness and pride, and they missed their Messiah. So here we are talking about sheep, shepherds, sheepfold, all very familiar parts of their, of their lives. Verse 3 says, The watchman opens the door for this man, the shepherd of the sheep, and the sheep listen to his voice and heed it, and he calls his own sheep by name and brings or leads them out. When he, the shepherd has brought his own sheep outside. He walks on before them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. And they will never on any account follow a stranger, but will run away from him because they do not know the voice of strangers or recognize his call. Isaiah 53, 6 calls us all sheep, doesn't he? It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have gone and turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. We were sheep without a shepherd before Jesus, the good shepherd, came on the scene. So John 10.3 has a promise to all believers. It, it promises that if you're his, if you're a sheep, and he's your good shepherd, you will hear his voice and you will know his voice and the voice of a stranger you will not follow. We could spend the rest of the time talking about this right here because so many people wonder, am I hearing God? Is that me? Is that, is that the devil? Is that the world? You know, There are so many voices out there, are there not? But 
The word of God is true, and it says that you can hear his voice. And we're not necessarily talking about an audible voice, even though God could do that if he wanted to. But because your spirit is alive by the spirit of God, he talks to you spirit to spirit. It's like an inner conversation. And sometimes in my own experience, it's like dropping a truth into my heart and then I allow him to unpack that truth to me. It has to line up though. To know that you're hearing God's voice and not the voice of a stranger. Number one, it must line up with the word of God. God will never tell you anything contrary to his word. He's not going to tell you to rob a bank or try to marry somebody else's wife. He's not going to tell you to do that. That doesn't line up with the word of God. So it has to line up with the word of God. I know two people who both said those things were God and they were wrong. Number two, it must line up with God's character. He never uses fear, intimidation, um, guilt tripping you, condemnation. That is not who God is and that is not who Jesus is. He paid the price. He took on all of our shame, all of our guilt, all of our condemnation and the wrath of God so that you could live in perfect union and peace with God. God doesn't use those tactics and don't you use those either. That's not godly. All right, number three, he it, a word from God will bring peace and healing and not condemnation, shame, fear, or guilt. So I want you to say this with me. I'll say it first. I am his sheep. I hear his voice. And the voice of a stranger I will not follow. That's truth from the word of God. Jesus said it. Verse 7, we're moving on in, in chapter 10. Jesus said, I assure you, I tell you, that I myself am the door. Now everybody knows what a door is, right? For the sheep, he says, all others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to and obey them. I am the door in verse 9. Anyone who enters in through me will be saved. He will come in and he will go out freely and will find pasture. And verse 10, John 10.10, 10, come on, you all know it. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. And I'm reading from the Amplified or Amplified Classic. Um, I love the way it takes the Greek words and just gives us all the different levels and shades of meaning. So God once again, through Jesus, is bringing us life. And Jesus colorfully points out that he's a door. And he's saying any other way that you try to earn your salvation is, is not walking through the only door, which is Jesus. There is no other road to heaven except through Jesus. And that is not an intolerant, narrow-minded thing that the world might accuse Christians of. Because they want you to believe that all roads lead to heaven. But of course the devil wants you to believe that. Because that takes Jesus right out of the picture. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. He is the door. He's not just a door. There is only one way to salvation and that is through the door who is Jesus. There is no other way. He is the only way to salvation. So the thief mentioned here is specifically thinking, uh, speaking of anyone who is trying to convince you that there are more ways to heaven. They are thieves and robbers, and they refuse to go through the door. So this is the litmus test, too. John 10.10 10 tells you, how do you know it's from God? How do you know it's from the devil? Well, 
if it has anything in your life to do with stealing, killing, and destroying, the source of it is who? The devil. That's right. But if it has to do with life and life abundantly, it has, it, the source of it, it comes from Jesus, right? So that lines up with life, and that is from Jesus. All right, we're going to continue on here. I am the good shepherd. Now we're on verse 11. And so Jesus is bringing together the door and the good shepherd. We're going to marry these just in a minute here. The good shepherd risks and lays down his own life for the sheep. Did Jesus do that? He absolutely did. But the hired servant, who is neither the shepherd nor the owner of the sheep, when he sees the wolf coming, he deserts the flock and runs away. And the wolf chases and snatches them and scatters the flock. Now the hired servant flees because he just works for wages and does not care about the sheep. But Jesus says of himself, I am the good shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He is a good shepherd. In fact, he is the good shepherd, right? And I know and recognize my own, and my own know and recognize me. Even as the Father knows me, and I also know the Father, and I am giving my very own life and laying it down on behalf of the sheep. And I mean, again, I have to put myself in the crowd, and when they must have thought, what in the world is he talking about? But he is foreshadowing. He is foretelling, I'm going to die. I'm going to the cross. And even as you read further on into John, um, chapters between like chapters 14 and 16, Jesus tells his own disciples, I mean, he's, he's got the last chance to tell them everything and anything that he wanted to tell them before he's going to the cross. Because right after that, the, 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 um, the road to the cross just accelerates. And the next day already, Jesus has been convicted and, and nailed to a cross. And so the last things that he starts to tell his disciples is, I'm, I'm going away, and, and you can't come with me. And they're like, what? I mean, aren't we just kind of getting started? here. Come on, Jesus. You know, we've been with you three and a half years. Come on. Um, what's the next step? And he says, no, where I'm going, you can't come. But don't worry because I'm going to send a comforter in, in my place. In fact, it's to your advantage that I'm going away because the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. So here we are. Jesus is revealing and revealing and revealing. But even at that late date, his disciples didn't really understand. But that didn't stop Jesus. He continued to reveal himself. So our born-again spirits can hear the voice of God. And now Jesus, again, is calling himself the good shepherd and the door. So let's, let's put this all together. To get a clear picture of Jesus' meaning in his statements, it's helpful to understand a little bit about ancient culture here. So I'm going to describe to you some of the things to learn about sheep. So um, that's you and that's me, but this is like the real deal, the real sheep. And um, I can just kind of forewarn you, you're not going to like everything that is um, characteristic of real sheep. It says, of all domesticated animals, sheep are the most helpless. Sheep will spend their entire day grazing, wandering from place to place, never looking up. And the problem is they become lost because they have no homing instinct. They cannot, when they look up, they have no idea how to get back home. They are totally incapable of finding their way to their sheepfold, even when it's in plain sight. They need to be led by a shepherd. 
And by nature, sheep are followers. So if the lead sheep steps off a cliff, I guess it's true that they'll all follow. Okay, please don't be like this, right? Additionally, sheep are easily susceptible to injuries. Oh, no, they're accident prone and are utterly helpless against predators. If a wolf enters the pen, they don't even defend themselves. They won't try to run away or spread out. Instead, they huddle together and become easy targets. Oh, my. If sheep fall into moving water, they drown. Oh, dear. However, sheep fear moving water and will not drink from any stream or lake unless the water is perfectly still. So sheep are totally dependent upon the shepherd who tends them with care and compassion. But even today in those shepherding communities, shepherds are inseparable from their flocks. The good ones are, right? The good shepherds. The good shepherds don't run away when the wolf comes. The good shepherds take their staff and protect the sheep. But there were two kinds of sheepfolds or pens. There was the public sheepfold, and that's where... Um, it would be large enough to hold several flocks of sheep all at, in the evening. And the, the shepherds would bring all their sheep and they'd mix together and bah, they'd all lay down and sleep. Well, in the morning, the shepherd comes and all he has to do is call his sheep by name or just speak. And to this day, it's true, these sheep will find their shepherd because they know his voice. That's the kind of relationship our good shepherd has with us. He knows your voice, but we need to know his voice, don't we? And then the other kind of sheep pen was in the countryside where the shepherds would just keep their flocks in good weather. And this type of pen was just nothing more than a rough circle of rocks that they would build up. And they, there was no gate. There was just an opening. And so at night, they would herd the sheep in. And they wouldn't even jump over the rocks. They would just huddle together because the shepherd led them there. And he had them lie down in there. And the shepherd would lie down in that opening and literally become the door to the sheep pen, to the sheep fold. And there wasn't any uh, animal or danger that could get into that sheep pen without crossing through the door. And the shepherd was there to guard and protect his sheep. So in this context, Jesus is telling us that he is not only the good shepherd of the sheep, but he is also the door for the sheep. And he is vividly contrasting himself with the robbers who were the Pharisees, who were leading people astray, who were trying to convince people that there was more than one way to, to salvation, especially the way of their own efforts, their own self righteousness and that will save no one. So when Jesus says I am the door, he is reiterating the fact there is no other way to salvation but through me. I am the door. If you have repented of sin and received Jesus by faith, you are in the fold. You are one of his and he is our good shepherd. And to know that he's good and not bad, he is always there even when danger is there. You know, never ever say in your prayers, Jesus, you just don't know what I'm going through. Because yes, he does. 
He is a good shepherd. And the Bible says he's experienced everything that we ourselves did. He came in the flesh, remember. He experienced life as we know it, and yet without sin, which is amazing. So our good shepherd is one who is noble, wholesome, and beautiful. In contrast to that which is wicked, mean, foul, and unlovely. Jesus even said in Mark uh, 6, uh, he was coming ashore, and there was a great crowd waiting for him. And it says he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many, many things. So the true test of a good shepherd is if he's willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Jesus, our good shepherd, did exactly that for each one of us here. And you know, no one took Jesus' life from him. He gave it willingly. The Bible says in Isaiah that he went to the slaughter and never uttered a word, like a sheep to the slaughter and never said a word. He never resisted. It was his time. It was his path. It was the whole focal point of why he came was to go to the cross, our good shepherd. And you know, there was another very famous shepherd that we know about. That's David. David shepherded sheep in the town of Bethlehem, which of course is Jesus' birthplace. And do you know that temple lambs were raised in the fields surrounding Bethlehem? And temple lambs were the ones who were sacrificed. And those lambs had to be perfect and without blemish. And when they were brought into the temple during the, the times when the sacrifices were made twice a day, they were sacrificed at 9 in the morning and 3 in the afternoon, twice a day, a perfect lamb. Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, went to the slaughter and sacrificed his own life. And he was nailed to the cross at 9 in the morning. And he uttered his last breath. It is finished at 3 in the afternoon. Jesus was the final sacrifice, the lamb of God. He's not only the good shepherd, he was also the sacrificial lamb. I believe that's a beautiful picture of our good, good God. Jesus. So everything that we've just talked about, what I'd like to do as we end here, if you would stand with me, I'd like us to read together this version of Psalm 23. And it's a very, very familiar psalm, isn't it? About the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think it'll bring new life to a very familiar psalm. So let's just say this together as we close. The Lord is my shepherd to feed, guide, and shield me. I shall not lack. He makes me lie down in fresh, tender green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes and restores my life. He leads me in the paths of righteousness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but for his name's sake. Yes, though I walk through the deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, I will fear or dread no evil, for you are with me. Your rod protects and your staff guides me. They comfort me. You prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. 
Only goodness, mercy, and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and through the length of my days in the house of the Lord. In his presence shall be my dwelling place. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that you sent Jesus to be our good shepherd. He is good and only good. And we are his sheep. Thank you, Lord, that every person here hears his voice, knows your voice, and the voice of a stranger we will not follow. We thank you that we are led, that we are fed, that we are comforted, that you defend and protect us because you are the good shepherd and you are the only door through which we can enter to receive that Zoe life, life as you have it, Lord. Thank you that you love us so much that that is now ours. So we, as your sheep, <laughs> follow the good shepherd. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Praise God. <laughs>